Father, we love you and we do thank you that regardless of the storms in our life, you reach your hands out and you are there to save us. And so, Lord, as we dive into your word this morning, we pray that you will speak to the hearts of each and every one of us in precisely the way that you need to speak to us. For, God, we want ears to hear what it is you have to say. So may these not be my words, Lord, but yours. Speak through me now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Christ Church. I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and so glad to be back with you. A couple weeks ago, we returned from, well, about a week and a half ago, we returned from a Holy Land trip. And I have to say, I was so blessed um, to, to be with some of the folks from this church and to get to know a lot of them a lot better. And uh, it was just an incredible trip. When I returned, I told my son, he said, Dad, what was it like? And I said, Brandon, it was like taking a pop-up book of the Bible and being able to just walk right through it. It was awesome. And so I want to encourage you, as we look to do those trips in the future, be thinking about that. You know, it's just a neat opportunity to, to walk in the places where Jesus walked and to see the things that really do make that Bible just, it pops to life. And it's so appropriate because this morning, our sermon, uh, as we continue in the, the final moments of our face-to-face encounters with Jesus series, uh, we're talking about an incident, uh, a moment that happens on the Sea of Galilee. And one of the places on our trip that we spent some time was in Tiberias, which is a city on the Sea of Galilee. And so on one of the days, we actually took a trip and, and kind of followed the path of our story today. So it was neat as I was writing this sermon out in my mind, I, I wish you all had the same experience because it's just popping to life in a way that's never uh, really done before. Um, and so it's interesting when you think about it. When you think about the Sea of Galilee, I've always heard about these storms that could blow in in a matter of seconds. Well, on our first full day in Israel, uh, in Tiberias, we were sitting at breakfast overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And, and I'm, a, I'm a fisherman. I like to be out on the water. I've been on lots of different bodies of water. And, and I have seen storms come and go. But we're sitting there at breakfast and I'm looking at this beautiful just kind of sunrise coming up over St. Peter's Church. And as we're sitting there, this just wall of white begins to move across the lake as the lake just disappears while we're sitting at breakfast. And before I could finish my chocolate-flavored croissant, (laughs) it was good. That's the other thing about the Israel trip. The food is good. As I'm finishing my croissant, this storm comes and goes and dumps so much water on top of the place where we're staying that it's actually coming into the doors. And so when we read these stories about these squalls and these storms that blow up on the Sea of Galilee, I was utterly amazed at how intense it got so quickly. A white cap is when the water, a lot of you probably know this, but it's when the water begins to break over itself. And I have to be honest, the Sea of Galilee is not a very big place. In fact, it's said to be not even a very deep lake. And so what happens is, is like in a bathtub, when you move, the water in shallowness just becomes very violent and very turbulent. And I watched as these white caps out on the Sea of Galilee just were very vicious. There was not a boat on it. And so as I read this story this morning, as we hear about the disciples who are they're caught in a storm, it tells us that the waves were battering their boat. I wish in your mind you could see what I saw, because this body of water becomes so violent so quickly that it would cause fishermen to be afraid. Have you ever been in a storm in your life? 
Maybe that storm in your life has been something that normally wouldn't cause you to be afraid. But for some reason, your fear takes you over and your faith wanes. I had the privilege this past week when I returned of meeting with one of my young adults. And they told me that uh, their wife was, was getting ready to go into labor and they asked for prayer because the child was actually coming early. And so there was concern on the part of the parents that, that maybe something was going to go wrong with this baby. And, and so they be, we began to lift this child up in prayer. And, and the, sure enough, the child was born early, a few weeks early. The mother really had seemed to take, an, just, she just seemed like it was a hard toll on her body. And as they continued to pray for the health of their baby, the mother began to get migraines and began to get sick. They went to the doctor for the first appointment only to find that the mother was almost inoperable because of the pain in her head. And we're still within a couple of days of the baby being born. The doctors discovered that she had developed a brain tumor in her head and it had to come out immediately. So here's this young man who just has given birth to his baby daughter and now he's being told his wife has a massive brain tumor. This is a storm, isn't it? They're supposed to be celebrating life. And so they rush her into surgery, and after 10 hours of surgery, they get all of the tumor, and the word comes back that the tumor's benign. No cancer. It's all good. And I asked this young man, I said, you know, you held it together so well. At no point in this did you moan, did you complain. You just cried out to God. And you, and you just, you held it together. I said, how did you do that? And he said, because, Jamie, I came to the realization that had my daughter not been born early, we would not have found the tumor, and I would have lost them both. What an incredibly mature response. That in the midst of a storm... This young man doesn't get angry because he, God's bringing his daughter into the world early. He doesn't get angry because of this brain tumor. But he says, God did exactly what he needed to do in the moment he did it. And he brought me life for both of the women in my life. And he said, praise God. You can clap for that. That's the way we as believers should look at the storm. Because you see, God is trying to bless us in those stormy moments in our life. But sometimes the only thing we can see is the fear and the concern that when we do see a brother in Christ like this one who stands up and said, God is good, it blows us out of the water, right? You see, Jesus is having a moment in the book of Matthew. John the Baptist has been killed. Herod wanted to basically um, take his brother's wife and make her his own. And, and John the Baptist said, no, this is wrong. You can't do that. And so Herod became very annoyed, and so did Herodias, the woman. And so after a little political manipulation or political dancing, shall we say, John the Baptist was killed, murdered, beheaded. Word of this gets to Jesus Christ as he's in the Galilean region and he's distraught. A storm has come to our Lord. 
grieved at the news of the loss of his cousin, Jesus begins to set off for somewhere quiet. And as he does this, he goes to a place called Tabga. And when he gets to shore, he discovers that people had heard about John. They had heard about this is where Jesus was going. So they showed up to either console him or to hear his teaching. And and in a moment of human nature, in a moment of godly nature, Jesus has compassion on the people. And instead of griping and complaining, it says in the word of God in Matthew 14 that he began to heal people into the evening. Isn't that a great response? In our sorrow, our Lord began to heal people with great compassion. This place where they were at was in the middle of nowhere. And so Jesus quickly realized, oh man, it's late. These people aren't even going to be able to get meals. And he says to his disciples, what kind of food do we have here? One of the disciples says, Lord, we only have five loaves and two fish. What are we going to do? Jesus says, I've got it. Don't worry about it. And it tells us in Scripture that at this feeding of the 5,000, that the people took the food. Jesus took those two fish and those five loaves, and, he, and he, he fulfilled everybody's need. That Jesus quenched their hunger. That Jesus was the only thing that they needed. He gave them fish and loaves. And it says in the Scripture that, in fact, when they were done eating, that each had eaten until they were satisfied, and there were 12 baskets left over. Do you know what those 12 baskets signify? One for each of the tribes of Israel because Jesus is enough sustenance for everybody. Jesus is exhausted. He's had this incredible emotional day where he learns of his cousin's death. He's healed these people. He's just fed 5,000 people. The people look at Jesus and as you read the commentaries, you're, you're told that this is one of those moments where they began to look to Jesus as a political figure, saying, wait a second, we can get this guy to be our king, and if we can get this guy to be our king, we can, we can take over the world. Seeing this and trying to keep his disciples from joining in, he tells his disciples to get in a boat, head out, he'll, he'll meet up with them later. Exhausted because of the storm of his life right now. Jesus then withdraws to a quiet place. So if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to turn to Matthew 20, uh, 14, 22 with me right now. And I, I need to say this. Thank you, Tim Zephro, for the way that you handled the Word of God. When we read the Word of God, please, people, read the exclamation points. Read the punctuation. This is not a boring piece of anything. This is an incredible gift from God. Read it with passion. Please handle this in a, in a beautiful manner. So as we go to Matthew 14, 22, the word of God, of God says this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. And again, I wish you could have seen the Sea of Galilee when it erupted into a storm. It was violent. So in this moment, Jesus is praying. And the disciples are clinging to this boat because they're in a storm. It says here in verse 25 that during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them 
He left the comfort of the shore. I want to make sure we understand, we get that concept, that Jesus left the safety of the shore, and he went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. Now think about this. Again, as practically as you can. Have you, have you ever seen something uh, like when you're at the ocean and it looks like someone's standing on water? You really have to look and look and look and you begin to panic inside thinking, am I nuts? I remember one time in South Carolina, I saw a, a blood moon. It was a red moon coming up over the horizon. I had no idea what it was, but it looked exactly like the UFO from the Brady Bunch. And in my heart, I was freaking out. And our mind plays tricks on us sometimes, doesn't it? And so I want you to put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. You're trying to maintain a boat. You're trying to keep a boat from capsizing or sinking or or falling apart when all of a sudden you see this figure walking to you on the water. You will probably have to take a double take. Now, they've seen Jesus do amazing things, but yet they're still perplexed. It says this, that they were terrified. Is this a ghost? They said and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, because it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out on the water then. Come on, Jesus says. And I love this moment because they're kind of having this really crazy, weird moment. They're terrified in this moment. And Peter has this remarkable moment of faith. We love to beat Peter up in this sermon, in this passage. But we're not going to do that because Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, then make me come out on the water too. And Jesus gives them the, the brotherly love response of, come on, get in. So Peter, it says this in 29, got down out of the boat. And again, this isn't like some kind of little dinghy. These are, these are a little bit bigger of boats. We were on a replica while we were over there. And, and you significantly would have to sit down, turn around, hold on to the side of the boat just to get to water level. And so Peter gets down out of the boat and he walks on the water. We missed that. Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water towards Jesus. That's awesome. That is incredible that he had that much faith in the, in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and God right in front of him that he kept his eyes on Christ and it gave him the faith to be able to walk on water. When the disciples saw him walk on the... Excuse me, but Jesus immediately said, Come on, Peter came out. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, came towards Jesus, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Do you realize it wasn't until Peter looked at his circumstances and began to focus on his circumstances that he began to sink? And the question I have for you, church, is as believers in God, are we focused on Christ Jesus or are we focused on the earthly circumstances in which we're in? Because I promise you this, the earthly circumstances that you are in are nuts. They're intense. They're crazy. We can choose one of two paths in this moment. We can choose to focus on what the world has for us. Or we can choose to focus on the path that God has for us. And that path leads to Christ. 
And again, I'm still not going to beat up on Peter in this moment because Peter does something brilliant when he begins to sink. Notice the scripture does not tell us that Peter was almost at the point of dying. It doesn't tell us that Peter was drowning. It says the moment he began to sink, he did what? He cried out to Jesus. Christian, listen to me. Those moments when you begin to sink... Don't stand there and look around and think, well, is there a stick I can grab? Is there something I can do? Don't panic. Look at God and say, help me. That's what Peter does right here. Because in his moment of weakness that we're all going to have, he says, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? Immediately, he reached out his hand and he caught him. You little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? I think sometimes we hear that as this, this heavy rebuke. But I almost read that as this camaraderie, brotherly love. Oh, silly guy. <laughs> I told you, I got you. And it says in verse 32, uh, excuse me, it says in verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. How did they climb into the boat? They had to walk to it. When Peter and Jesus linked hands, Jesus brought him up out of the depths, and they walked together on the water. Isn't that beautiful? When they got into the boat, the disciples worshipped him. And they said, truly, you are the Son of God. Do you believe he's the Son of God? Do you have enough faith to jump out of the boat? Do you have enough faith in those moments when you're sinking to say, Lord, save me? And do you have enough humility when you're rescued to cling to him until he brings you home? Because Jesus loves you, church. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus has left the comfort of the shore, the comfort of heaven to come and to rescue us. He desires for us to take faith-like steps. He desires for us to have storms in our lives. Did you know that? Do you think Jesus didn't know that there was a storm coming? Do you think Jesus was sitting on the mountain praying as he saw the storm hitting the disciples, thinking, ah, maybe they'll make it, maybe they won't? No, he knew exactly what was going on. In fact, he was praying for them. When we look at this passage of Scripture, we can pick out five things that really um, stand out. And the first one is, is, is that I want us to apply this to our life, is that when we're in storms, we've got to remember, God is the one who is bringing us there. There's this false teaching in the world that to live as a Christian is to live a storm-free life. Listen to me. That is a lie from the pits of hell. Jesus Christ himself says in John 16, that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome it. Listen, church. You're going to experience storms. The Word of God tells us about two different types of storms that we will encounter. The first type of storm is the storm that we're going to encounter for correction. There's no greater example than that of Jonah. Jonah, I want you to do this. Well, God, I've got better ideas. Okay, here's my fish. (laughs) God will correct us. My grandfather used to say, Jamie, God will throw pebbles at you to get your attention, but if you don't listen, he'll throw bricks. I think we forget that sometimes in these storms in our lives, God is teaching us. God is growing us. He's increasing our faith. He's increasing our testimony for Him. 
The second type of storm that we read about is the storm of perfection that we see the disciples encountering in this moment. They were clearly being obedient to God. But Jesus wanted to demonstrate to them that they have to rely on Him. Jesus didn't arrive early. Jesus didn't arrive late. He showed up exactly when they truly needed Him the most. And He showed up for Peter when Peter cried out. And so when you're in the midst of the storm and Jesus has put you there, He is not going to abandon you. He will rescue you because He did leave the safety of the shore. He left the safety of heaven to bring you home. The second thing we see is this, that Jesus was up on the hillside praying. Do you know that Jesus Christ is right now interceding for you in heaven? He lifts you up in prayer. On the night that he was handed over into suffering and death, Jesus prays a prayer. He prays for three things. He prays for himself to have the strength. He prays for his disciples. And he prays for all of those who will believe because of their testimony. And that's you and I. The word of God tells us that Jesus today is interceding for us with the Father. And on that day of judgment, Jesus will look and say, this is one of mine. So Jesus didn't just bring us to the storm. He's praying for us in the storm. The third thing we see is that Jesus will come to us. As we've already said, he left the safety of the shore. Jesus will come to where you are. If he said, go, I will be with you, we have to trust that he will be with us. We often fear our difficult moments. And I think that's exactly why Jesus decided to work in the way that he was working in this moment. Because you see, to the fishermen of the disciples, there's no greater threat to them than that of the wind and the sea. But Jesus demonstrated to them by walking on the water that the problems of this world are nothing but mere steps for God. Amen? And so I don't know what storm you're going through in your life, but God will trample all over them. Once you have learned what he's trying to teach you. And once he has been glorified through it. The fourth thing we see is that he will help you grow. You see, Jesus knew that one day the disciples would have to function without his physical presence. And that as a good father, as a good teacher, he needed to equip them in such a way that they would grow and that they would learn to stand on the faith that they have in him. Telling Peter to come out of the boat was an amazing growth moment for Peter. How many of you would have thought Jesus was joking? I'm thinking in my mind, would I have gotten out of the boat or would I have thought he was just kind of poking fun at me? But Peter got out of the boat and it says Peter walked on the water with Jesus. God will bring us through storms so that we can grow, so that we can become stronger in our faith. I think of this young couple that is going through so much right now, but I have seen tremendous spiritual growth in this mother and this father because they put their faith in God in a terrifying moment, not sure where it was going. Am I going to have either of these two women at the end of this journey? I do not know, but I know I can trust God. Do we trust God that way? The fifth thing that we learn in this passage is that he will see you through. Jesus isn't going to put you in circumstances and then abandon you to them. When God brings you into a storm, 
The question we should be asking is, what are we trying to, what should we learn from this, God? What can we, how can we grow? Because you see, Jesus will see you through. He is not going to abandon you in your moment of need. Sometimes he waits to see how we're going to react. Are we going to scream for help? Or are we going to focus on the circumstances of this world and die? There's two ways that we can go in this story. We can keep our eyes on Christ. And we can follow the path that leads to him. Or we can surrender our lives to our circumstances and become victims of sin. Which are you? Are you crying out before you drowned? Or is your pride a weight that causes you to sink? Are you dependent on God? Are you dependent on the boat? The things of heaven or the things of earth? The word of God tells us that the things of heaven will not pass away, but the things of earth will perish. Listen to me. Invest in the things of heaven. Pour your heart into the things of God. If you're sitting out here and you don't know who Jesus Christ is today, I want to encourage you in this way. He is hanging out on the water and he wants you to grab his hand because he wants to rescue you. He's not going to make everything hunky-dory as far as not saying there's no storms in your life, but Jesus Christ and God make the storms of this life bearable. The Holy Spirit gives us that power and strength to endure the hardships that we face in this life. Life is not going to always be easy. But with Jesus in your life, I promise you this, it will be good. Amen, church? Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for the way that you grow us in this life. And Lord, as we sometimes become more trusting of the things of this earth, we ask for your forgiveness. We pray, God, that when we're in scary storms of this life, that you would give us the courage and the strength to say these words, can I come out of the boat? And God, when we get out of the boat, help us to have our water feet on. Help us to keep focused on you, Lord. But when we sink, when we fail, we pray that you would rescue us. I think there's some of us this morning that need rescued, Lord. Take our humility, take our pride, and help us to cry out to you. Because only in you can we be saved. In his name we pray. Amen.